Hey, how's it going, folks? It's Abdullah. And Bean. And welcome back for another episode of Great Moments in Weed History. We have got a fantastic guest for this episode. Her name's Jessamine Stanley, and she is a self-described fat black queer woman breaking down barriers in the world of American yoga since she first started posting about her personal practice on Instagram back in 2012. She's the author of Everybody Yoga and has a new book called Yoke my yoga of self-acceptance out this month. She hosts the podcast, Jessamine Explains It All, and has created the yoga app, The Underbelly, and most importantly, she is a stoner and a cannabis advocate. She also founded the activist organization, We Go High North Carolina, to push for an end to cannabis arrests and a social justice-based approach to legalization. What an awesome guest, huh, Bean? Yeah, this is the the kickoff of a series of episodes we're going to do for Pride Month. You know, the the history going between the LGBTQ community and the cannabis community has always been intertwined. If you understand how cannabis, and especially medical cannabis, came to be legalized in this country, you understand that. And if you don't, No worries, because we're going to actually repost a couple of our foundational season one episodes on this subject later this month. But we really thought it would be great to kick things off with Jessamine. She is an exemplar of people breaking down all kinds of boundaries at this moment in our history. She's somebody who, and we talk a lot about this, lives in a prohibition state who has a very high visibility because of her work uh, instructing people on yoga, uh, but has chosen nonetheless to essentially come out and talk about her use of cannabis, how it integrates into her yoga practice. Uh, and I think not to tip our hand too much on the great moment, but just to let you know where she comes from, she decided to come public about cannabis in a way that's, I think, pretty unique. Uh, on the cover of Yoga Journal in February 2019, um, and when I interviewed her for Leafly, she said that was the first time she was ever photograph smoking weed. She said it was deeply liberating uh, because, quote, I talked about body liberation for so long, but I was still wearing chains. I can feel comfortable with my body all I want, but it doesn't matter if I can't speak freely. You know what I mean? And I think we both know what she means. Yeah, absolutely. She is not only a very inspiring advocate for all types of important issues. She's also just a lovely person, and I think she really has this kind of it factor that makes her the icon that she is. We had a really, really nice conversation with her. And yeah, as you said, Bean, this kicks off our series of episodes for Pride Month. We stand in solidarity with our LGBTQ brothers, sisters, and siblings. And we want to celebrate the fact that cannabis activism and LGBTQ plus rights activism are inextricably intertwined here in the United States and all over the world. And we all stand together to make change in this world that's going to make it a more welcoming, loving, and comfortable place for everyone, no matter who you are, no matter how you identify, no matter what your lifestyle is. 
That's right. And, you know, on top of everything else we mentioned, I do with some pride of our own mention that Jessamine is a fan of Great Moments in Weed history. She's yeah. a part of <laughs> our cool. big podcast family. That's how we got in touch with her originally. And in the interview, she'll mention uh, Dennis Perone and being very inspired by his story. Um, we don't end up talking that much about his story in this episode, but that is one of two episodes we're going to re-release this month from our first season. The other is about Brownie Mary. Uh, You're going to learn a lot through that about the earliest days of the medical cannabis movement in the United States, how uh, the LGBTQ community was at the forefront of that. And all of this content that we've got coming out for Pride Month is supported by our beloved sponsor, Tweedle Farms. Veed and I truly fuck with Tweedle Farms. We smoke their high CBD and other cannabinoid cannabis every day. We use their other high CBD and cannabinoid products. They are a truly fantastic company and ships their products to all 50 states. So you've heard the ads on our show before, and this is just a little extra shout out. Please go check out TweedleFarms.com. And use promo code GREATMOMENTS, all one word, no spaces, at checkout to get 20% off of your order. And in other housekeeping stuff, to all of our patrons on Patreon, thank you so much for your support. We truly appreciate you. We've got some really fun patron-only content coming your way. And if you're a fan of the show, please consider being a patron. You can check us out. Just Google Great Moments in Weed History patreon and if you don't have the money to spare right now it is all good we still want you to listen to our show you could help us out by just helping us spread the word tell your friends about great moments in weed history okay so without further ado let's get into our interview with jessamine stanley Okay, there we go. Good stuff. <laughs> that was the hard check. That was <laughs> intense. You gotta yeah. have a hard check. We check our. We try to check each other before we wreck ourselves. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good move. I like to check myself after I've already wrecked myself. That's, that's <laughs> like generally because it's like you know. You're always one banana peel away from finding your dreams and having yeah. to go the way they should go. You ever check yourselves or a post-mortem? You know what I mean? That's, exa- that's exactly right, <laughs> literally. I'm like, man, why even bother at this point? It's like, just like, just hit it. Yeah, just, exactly. You know, I think I really like this rolling start that we're on right now. Yeah. So you know, this, can I tell y'all for real? Just like straight up, today has been so ratchet, and I was like, "This is the first. This is like, there's never a situation where I can actually like be open about the fact that like, y'all, I need to blaze. This is the reality of the situation. Like, this yeah. is this is my life, and I'm like, I can actually be real with y'all in that way. And so, thank you for holding space for that truth thank you oh this is what we hold space for (laughs) absolutely what we're here for and weed puns all right let's let's get them all all three simultaneous blazing 
Welcome to Great Moments in Weed History. This is a dream come true. Can I just like be really fucking real with y'all? Please. Y'all do work that I think is so important. Some of the archival work that you're doing is just at this point is so crucial. Like It's just to actually be able to have these stories and and be able to share them in perpetuity in this way is so important. And just from historical perspective. And so I'm really honored to be here with y'all and really like just... This is I don't I don't always feel this way about everything, but I'm just like <laughs> y'all are doing work that I think is so important. And I'm I'm grateful to be in community. Truly. Oh, thank you. The, the feeling is definitely mutual. You know, you're here because you are a part of weed history. And so much of that is being public about who you are and what you represent. And you do that very strongly. And you see the impact and how many people that resonates with. And I think you've really shown that. So we really appreciate you uh, bringing cannabis into the fold of your public life. I wish it wasn't a big deal to do this. Like, I wish this was like not remarkable. I wish that there was nothing interesting about like fat black queer kid from Durham, North Carolina, smoking weed, living your life like it should be as interesting as like what toilet paper do you use like or not that i think it should be <laughs> yeah. more interesting than that it should be like what kind of vegetables do you like i don't know man it shouldn't <laughs> be as big of a deal as it is and i feel like actually letting people know that the activism is really as simple as being honest and authentic with yourself that is that's really the heart of the activism, letting people know that and like letting them find that kind of freedom for themselves. I just I don't think I ever anticipated that being a part of my life, honestly. And I hope that there are people who are able to experience that because I'm just like just trying to honestly and authentically live my own life. I appreciate that. And, you know, for us, I, I, for, for Abdullah and I, it's like we both lived in prohibition states, mm. uh, and then left and came to California. Mm. Uh, and like that dichotomy, it, it splits my whole weed life in half. And now full circle. New York just legalized. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we could get into the details, but it's a really good law, certainly compared mm -hmm. to other laws in other states. You can smoke pot anywhere. Listen to my voice, people. Anywhere you could smoke a cigarette in New York City. You can now smoke a joint. Please don't stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but go outside and say, I'm sober as hell. And I'm not going to get stoned inside anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, but just we, on purpose, <laughs> on the street. <laughs> yes. And, but we still get, you know, emails that, as, as we were talking about before, check ourselves from people. And, and they both break my heart and inspire us of people who say, man, uh, you know, I live in such and such a place. The war on weed is still full on here. And I love listening to you guys because it, uh, you know, opens me to that vision of that world. And also, you know, some of our stories that are about people overcoming or pushing back against this prohibition. Uh, so we, we just live in this world where uh, an imaginary borderline 
separates you from uh, upstanding citizen and hyper-capitalist of the uh, uh, weed co versus, you know, targeted person, marginalized person, incarcerated person. And like, uh, I think what's really instructive about history and talking to people about history is we see our own lives reflected in it. And I see your life, Jessamine, uh, straddling these uh, boundaries and, and yeah, saying, what does it mean? Why do they even exist? Yes. I live in a prohibition state, North Carolina. <laughs> Fucking God. Y'all would be probably honestly like surprised by how backwards it is here still in 2021, the way that they, the lies that are told, the misinformation. Yeah, we would be in jail. <laughs> right. No, that's the thing is that we're all just like, like people don't talk about it because there is, there are literal consequences. And I have found, and this is a, a space of privilege, absolute privilege that I sit in, but I have found so much power in being able to just be like, you know what? Honestly, fuck it. I don't think there's any reason to be in this game of life, if I'm not willing to just be like, if that means that I have to do something that is in direct opposition to the law and also be public about it. And like, that means that it's even easier to target me. If that's what that means, then that's what that means, because that is how you make change. And it makes you for me, it makes me feel really powerful. I was so inspired by the story of people like Dennis Perone. I think of Dennis Perone literally like every fucking day. I think about like all the different things that happened that like you would you would think there'd be a point where it's like, Mm, maybe I'll scale back or mm, maybe I'll stop. And it's like, you just can't. And like now California's legislation is just so, I mean, like there are definitely problems with it, but like, it's so there, there's, there's been so much movement and it's because of people being able to give the middle finger. And it's helpful to see, um, it's helpful to say, see green states and the people who live there and like the freedom, because I think it is inspiring to people who live in prohibition states. And I just I, I mean, but the thing that is wild to me, though, is how much the stigma still prevails, even in green states, like what it means to be a user and to be like to just have that be a part of your life. It even when you can do it legally, it's like people will still uh, be prejudiced against you. You will face persecution, especially in the workplace. And I just, that's where so much of my own personal activism, especially with my organization, We Go High, that's where so much of that resides. Because it's like, even even once you fight the, to me, <laughs> this is, I don't know how, I don't know how to talk about this without talking about this. But to me, legalization is like a white man's game. It's kind of like, oh, like, how are we going to tax this? And like, how can we make money off of it? The real difference that I first noticed moving from the East Coast to the West Coast is it's almost like the regulations and the laws don't have as major of an impact as the culture of a place, right? New York may have legalized cannabis. In fact, I learned the hard way that New York decriminalized weed back in the 70s, but that in New York City, the NYPD was still using cannabis to frisk, search, detain, and arrest people, right? And it really is kind of troubling because you realize that it's about the people, right? The laws can say one thing, but as long as people are perceiving cannabis users as this or that or whatever, right? And they have their own stereotypes. We're going to have a problem. 
And those stereotypes are so incredibly persistent. The thing that I notice now that cannabis is all over mainstream media is there's still kind of a chuckle and a wink and a nod. <laughs> always, <laughs> oh, always, God. always. Oh, so silly <laughs> weed. So that's so goofy, right? And the fucked up thing is people are still going to jail for this. People are still curing their deeply debilitating ailments with this. This is serious shit. When people chuckle and wink and nod about cannabis, I'm like, this is a serious, serious issue. We may have fun, right? We may be lighthearted, chill people, but this shit is serious. And that's how I feel with the weed puns, honestly. Like, it's a running joke in the show, obviously, if, you're, if this is your first time listening. And they're somewhat done slightly ironically, but from a very real place in my heart. He but loves it's them. Like, He's totally, he I, loves those weed puns. I know it. I I've like earned the right. So important. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's what that's what Mark says is being dope and interesting people is that like you can still make a joke at the end. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you'll see a weed pun to get to the point of, that you both were were bringing up. You'll see a weed pun in an Associated Press article about people getting arrested. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. that's because there is so little respect for just put frankly the lives of black and brown people there's so little respect it's literally yeah. just like like oh yeah like how is it okay that people are able to like literally just live their best weed lives and then in the same state like in the same county sometimes you know what i mean it's like people are still and even you don't have to go to jail for this to fuck with your life like you could just any kind of any kind of legal persecution is just like you are making you're making a state where people feel like they can't be themselves and can't medicate. And I wonder how long it will take to even purge out some of this, like this, the prohibition rhetoric, it just, it clings on. It's like, it gets, it's like it's in the fibers of the carpet. You know what it is. It's like somebody stepped in dog shit and then like scraped their foot on the ground and it is just stuck in the fibers of our world at this point. And I'm like, Ooh. how many washes, how many decades of washes is it going to take? And I think it'll take a couple, but it just requires us all to take responsibility. The, talking about it is the most important thing, I think. I think it's the most important thing that you can do. Like, just I, I say we amputate that foot <laughs> <laughs> at least the shoe and that 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 very very vivid image uh brought to my mind the visceral remembrance of febreze as the smell of we're about to smoke a joint i know right <laughs> tons and tons of febreze um, that is still a signature aroma out here so y'all better mm -hmm. like what is that and it's like osium but like the like the last dregs of it like the french vanilla french vanilla scented osium is like the still the <laughs> thing out here i mean i don't know though i just because one of the one of the tools of um of legalization in north carolina is this cbd versus uh marijuana versus cannabis conversation so it's like cbd is legal in north carolina and even people will be like they'll be like if anybody says anything to you just say you're smoking cbd and it's like this gentrification of weed where i'm like bitch mm. 
Everybody, like, I get it and I full, I get it, but it's definitely, I think, doing long-term damage to our ability to actually be honest. It makes it where, like, some things are okay and other things are not okay. Like, anything, THC, the word cannabis even is just, like, it's bad. That's not, that's not what we're doing. But if you say CBD, it's okay. You know, it's fine. And it's got to be, we have to let go of this desire to be accepted by a system that is, does not exist to accept us. It's not going to, it doesn't, it doesn't want for us to not feel persecuted. I think that we can get distracted by legalization and distracted by like, having access to some people having access to some parts of the plant and it's creating a a malaise even within the community of like weed people and i think there's a lot of silence i think there's a lot of um a lot of fear and that we all on an individual level have a um a responsibility but also a um just a power to to create space for space where there has not been. Yeah. You know, I think it's really telling that, you know, we were talking about California's weed industry, right? It is overwhelmingly straight white men. And despite all the measures that are being taken, the social equity programs, which have largely been a failure, at least in this state. And, you know, the, the efforts to say, oh, like, we're, you know, trying to support black and brown or female or queer owned businesses. It just is not enough. And, you know, in the end, what it does, it ends up allowing those same white men to say, oh, well, we threw them a bone. You know, we supported the social equity program. It, uh, it, you know, it's after that, it's a competitive market. You know, whoever wins, wins. But the fact of the matter is, you don't acknowledge the handicap in the end, you know? And that's the ugliest part of it, I think. And even if you live in a state that legalizes or that has already legalized, you still live in a society that waged a hundred year long racist, pointless failure of a war against. I'm going to say it, the most beneficial plant. You know, I, I could Literally. be wrong about that last part, but that doesn't change. So, you know, that's why I think on our show and, and reaching out to you, Jessamine, like we have to stay a resistance culture as weed people, no matter what. Hell and man. anybody who doesn't get that was never a part of it to begin with, and I don't think we can let them in until they understand that part. And I'm hoping, like, can you, you know, maybe take us a little through your mm -hmm. personal journey uh, and how you got to to here, to, to mm -hmm. blazing with us? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, there was a lot of weed um, before this that definitely was a part <laughs> of how I, this has managed to happen. Um, no, okay, so <laughs> I... I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a writer. I, my first book, Everybody Yoga, came out in 2017. And my next book, Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance, will be out this summer, June 2021. I am the co-host of the podcast, Dear Jessamine, and I am the co-founder of We Go High North Carolina, which is a 
it's a collective of weed people in North Carolina who are tired of our uh, politicians and legislators not representing us. So how did I come to be talking to y'all? Um, okay, this is the thing. I was not into <laughs> this. Is, this is probably going to become really evident through this story, actually. But I was not into weed when I at, like at all before I was like in my very early 20s. I I'm a Virgo rising, always wanted to do well in school. Dare was very important to me. I was like taking notes, like, let me make sure. So I'm not supposed to do this, that, and the other <laughs> thing. And like, I was definitely not like a cool kid in high school. I did not know. I was not in the know with anything. And I live in a prohibition state. One of the lies that was told in Dare is that like, people will try to get you to smoke weed. No, they won't. They literally won't. Like, if you're not friends <laughs> with them, they're not going to do that. So they don't want to share. <laughs> Why would you share? What are you talking about? So, um, yeah, so I didn't at all. And then when I was in graduate school, I was going through a period of depression that is the same. If you've been 23, you know what I was going through. I was like, I don't, I don't know what's going on in my life. Everything is awful. The, the shit was hitting the fan. And um, one of my friends was like, oh, my God, you should come to yoga. You would love it. And I was like, I am not going to yoga because I had actually tried yoga once when I was in high school and just absolutely hated it. And she got me caught up on a Groupon. It was like, if you go one time, what's the harm? You paid this fee, it'll be fine. And um, I started going to practice and it nothing I was it wasn't like I went and I was like oh my god I'm so good at yoga it's changed my life no I was literally like everything about this is awful it smells terrible in here it's really hot all the postures are impossible like I'm the fattest person here I'm the only black person it was very alienating but um I didn't realize how much of my um sadness was really coming from not ever stepping outside of any boxes. Like I decided who I was. I decided what I was good at and what I was allowed to do and what I was allowed to be. And I never step outside those boxes. If I thought I wasn't going to be good at something, I never just not even try it. And in yoga, it literally requires you to reckon with that piece of yourself. And um, it. I think sometimes, you know, people come to class and they're like, wow, this is really hard. I didn't know that was going to be the case. And it's like, yeah, it's trying to kick the shit out of you so that you can actually be honest with yourself about who you are. Weed will kick the shit out of you to make you see who you are as well. Exactly. So around the same time, I had started smoking weed and um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to go into that, but I used to smoke before practice <laughs> and I would I would just like hotbox my car and then go into class like <laughs> reeking of weed. This is like the fattest person in the room, just like reek like weed. Hell yeah. That's how you represent. Yo, this is my <laughs> life. Anyway, so <laughs> I became really healed by this experience being able to just clean myself from the inside out i didn't know then that yoga and weed have a thousands of year old relations like yoga and weed have always gone together because people yeah. and weed have always gone together and the plant i believe really exists so that we can do that internal cleaning so that when you are engaged in any type of living and all of life is yoga everything is yoga when you're living your yoga that you're able to be really um, in tune with what's going on and allow the allow the droplets to roll off your back a little bit easier and um, and really enjoy and appreciate and love all that this life has to offer because it has so very much to offer that 
love of weed and yoga is really what has brought me to be here with you guys today. I know that was a, a long walk around the road to get to the answer of your question. But. Yeah. You know, it really does resonate when you talk about a level of discomfort in going to yoga. You know, I've never been a guy who goes to the gym. I'm a very skinny guy, right? That always has made me self-conscious about it, right? And I remember going to yoga and being with a bunch of white people in a room <laughs> And hearing them mispronouncing Sanskrit words, right? Like I'm, I'm Pakistani. I'm, I'm South Asian. Uh, I'm not Hindu. So, you know, technically yoga is not in my, uh, you know, cultural tradition in that way. But it is this weird thing about having your culture regurgitated back to you in some ways, right? And I remember no one told me that I should take off my socks when I'm <laughs> when I'm doing it. You know what I mean? So I was like, kind of like didn't have good footing. It was extremely uncomfortable. Mispronouncing and, Sanskrit, like what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it's a very weird feeling. There's a lot of stuff in America that's like that. You know what I mean? Where you'll have stuff. You know, now some people try to tell me about the Ayurveda, and I'm like. That's something, you know, like that my, you know, ancestors have been involved for a long time. You know, I grew up with that understanding. And now that it's sort of in the Whole Foods zeitgeist, it gets spit back, right? If I could come at this from from my experience, this is the lender's bagelification (laughs) of... uh, of both yoga and weed. And, you know, when somebody yeah. hands me a piece of circular bread, that doesn't make it a bagel. That's not, that's not, I'm just because you're giving me this. Yeah, okay. So, okay. It's the, I'm so sorry, y'all. This is like, I just deeply appreciate this so much. It's like the, it's the cornrows. So, okay. So, this is the thing. Oh, yeah. Appropriation. Oh like you've been on a Caribbean vacation oh lately? Fucking God. Have you been? Came? Um, have you been in North Carolina in the year 2001? My problem with white people getting excited about Aaliyah is that anyway, okay, this is the thing. I feel like I, the, the, it's so awkward to culturally appropriate South Asian culture when you also have your identity appropriated. And this is like the weird line, I think, for anyone who is not white, but also practices American yoga. So much of what yoga actually is has nothing to do with um, Sanskrit or like taking anyone else's culture. It's about looking within yourself and honestly engaging with the truth of yourself. And that will always lead you back to your own culture every time. We talked about the parallels between the yoga industrial complex and the sort of emerging cannabis weed industrial complex. And there's a corporatization involved in both of them. And one of the things I think we react against a lot on this show is now starting to feel marginalized by uh, the people in charge of the weed economy, uh, for, for loving weed too much or something, you know? Yeah, we were victims of prohibition and now we're victims of legalization. And I know that, you know, that's something that definitely informed and shaped your decision to be so public about, about cannabis. So what was your decision making process like? I just felt so guilty. Like, I felt like, 
I felt like it was my responsibility to be that if I have a platform and that I can I can say something is all I have to say that I like yoga. That is not that's not all that's happening here. You know what I mean? Like I felt like there was a need to use the platform for good and to be um, to live as an example honestly. And I felt like it was irresponsible for me to just be like, like, oh, well, I can smoke weed, but like, you know, nobody else can, you know, like, no, I don't want to, I want to just be, and I don't think everybody needs to feel the same way that I do. Like, I, I think that I, I see the road toward a world where it is fully normalized and I can't not be a part of it. So that was the biggest thing for me. Um, but also I didn't want to not be able to talk about it forever. So like, I didn't want to have people believing something about me, like basically following me or being, um, interested in my work because of something that, is not true. And I noticed that whenever I talked about really sensitive topics, like whether it's my, uh, whether it's being the reality of being black in America or talking about politics or like whatever, I noticed that I'd lose so many followers, like thousands of followers in a day, just from like speaking my mind. And I was like, good you know like I'm glad I'm glad <laughs> to know that you feel this way like I would hate for you to be over here thinking that I'm like especially because like I think followership in and of itself is so fucking weird because I just don't think that like I don't think being followed is a good idea and I don't think it's a good idea to follow other people like just I think you should follow yourself but I also noticed that people are coming to me like looking for it. They're they're looking for something. And I'm like, if I don't have what you're looking for, like, please know that and go with God. So but I was like, this is a pretty big thing and it's very polarizing. And I know that there are going to be people forever that don't agree with this about me. And I would rather just let it be known now how I feel and who I am and not have to deal with that shit for the rest of my life. And like, if that has a negative impact on my business, then so be it. But like, and the thing is, it hasn't. That's the fire thing about it. <laughs> if you are honest with yourself and like are keeping it real and actually like are moving from a space of truth, the universe is going to receive you because it has to happen. And I think that like, for me... Those factors were what made it absolutely imperative to me. And the reason that I keep talking about it, because like I wouldn't keep talking about it because, again, I don't really think it's that interesting. I feel like everybody smokes weed. That's the thing. That's, that's the thing about it is everybody smokes weed. So like it's not that big of a deal. Everybody on this podcast. Yeah. We're three for three. Yeah. <laughs> but like people, so many people that you would never think smoke weed absolutely do. And I'm just like, if everyone is doing it, then maybe if we all just say that we're doing it, then it will be okay to do it. And I'm not talking about it will be legal to do it. So that is why and how I ended up coming out as a as a weed head and 
I feel like I hear a lot of people say like, well, you know, maybe you can do that, but I can't do that or other people can't do that. And I think that's fine. And I think it's about what you feel is your moral responsibility. And I think a lot of people actually do just want to feel free. That's what that's been the dope thing about starting We Go High is that we have people reach out to us every day who are just like, yeah, like I'm on board with this mission. Like I don't they literally don't know anything about what we do or why we exist. They're just like, no one should be in jail for weed. Yes, I agree with that. And I want to be like, I I want to do literally anything. I'll make um signs. I'll like, do y'all want to make these shirts? Do y'all want to do these things? Like, like literally People just want to know that it's okay to be themselves. And for me, that's that was worth it. It's worth it. That's that's the reason I do it. In terms of taking ownership, right? I, I think that that's kind of the boldest thing that you've done. And the interesting thing about that is that if you were a straight white man, it wouldn't be considered bold, right? <laughs> and it's it's because it's because you are taking ownership of this and you represent a bunch of marginalized populations of people right and of course the people from those groups are going to see you as their champion right but the people from the established groups are going to see you as challenging to their narrative right that they own it that that's what the ownership looks like and so what kind of backlash or pushback have you gotten from that community i mean you know of course it's a battle on all fronts what has that experience been like for you Mm. I have been very blessed to have a team that really supports me and understands my mission. And I find that more often than not, what we encounter in negotiation is that everyone wants to, everyone wants to find some level of common, common ground. And so in terms of like backlash, I would say that it's been, oh man, this is going to be famous last words. I bet some shit's going to pop off literally as soon as I get off this call. <laughs> but like, I feel like we, we come by it honestly, you know, like I come by, it's like, yeah, this is, this is a platform that Jessamine believes in. And this is something that um, is really important. And I think generally people um, are like, yeah, we can feel that, you know, like don't like maybe it's like don't hold don't smoke weed in a picture or video with this product. But like we're we're cool with the idea, because I think honestly, a lot of people feel the same way about this topic and that that's a way for them to stand strong. Now, if we're talking about backlash outside of my professional life, um, yeah, I get a lot of people just like coming at me with bullshit that doesn't even nobody's even like misinformation, loud and wrong. And largely, I'm just like, you know, everybody has their own opinion and um, they're allowed to feel the way that they feel. And a lot of the arguments that people give don't make any sense and are not based in fact and don't have to have anything to do with the way that I live my life. But more than anything, I think I encounter curiosity. I do. Okay. I would say there's a good amount of backlash, I think, from black people, like from people of color who are like, you know, it is especially not safe. This type of activism is especially not safe 
for us because we are marginalized and this is and targeted and and I hear that and I don't think that this is for everybody and it's not but I think that if you can that you should and I to the to your point about like the if I was a a straight white guy this would probably be less notable but I'm like you know if Tom Hanks would just come out the closet as weedhead, we could get really far. You know what I mean? I'm like, I just think that there's there's power. He did it for coronavirus. <laughs> you know, that was when people started taking it seriously. That's what I'm saying. If coronavirus can get it, Tom Hanks, man. I've just always thought he'd be the best. The phone lines are open, Tom. Uh, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a call-in show, but I assume you're listening. Come on. He's ready. Yeah. <laughs> To backtrack for one uh, sec, I just want to hit on that your way of of going public with this, uh, unlike most people, was on the cover of Yoga World magazine. <laughs> Wait a minute. That is absolutely <laughs> what happened. God, I am so extra. You know, the thing about it is... Um, Yoga Journal is a Colorado uh, based magazine. And I feel like I'm grateful that they know it's good. And I mean, like yoga and weed really do go together. Like it's whether it's classical yoga or um, what I call American yoga. I think it's it. They just they go together. And so I'm like. Be on the right side of history with that one, guys. Not with anything else. And we can have a whole other conversation about the yoga industrial complex. But maybe that's conversation for a different day. And I can imagine people listening and and maybe they've, uh, I, I'd say 99.9% have smoked plenty of weed. Uh, but maybe they've never tried yoga, our listeners, or maybe they've never tried them together. And so what would be um, your insights into combining those two practices? Mm. Go slowly. Use the dose that you typically use, whatever that is. Like, if you are a weed head, go hard. If you <laughs> are... If you're just dabbling in both, both yoga and uh, weed, then I think maybe go slowly and maybe start with a uh, either a CBD or like a and like maybe try like a roll on roll ons and to like topicals, anything that you know, makes you feel good. Maybe it's a salve. You like to put that on before or after practice, like mix and match different things. Pick any type of practice, any type of yoga practice. It really doesn't matter. Everything is amazing and anything will change your life. But be open to the sensations that are going to come up because it's going to it's going to pull up shit that you've been hiding from. And um, I think that can make us think that we're having a bad time or a bad experience. And really, it's just a gateway to something much bigger within yourself. And it's it's creating a, a fire inside of you that is going to burn away the things that don't need to be there. If you make space for those sensations, I think it can be really incredible. But yeah, go slow. But if you smoke weed, 
and you've never practiced yoga before, you should get you should get blazed as fuck and then get into that shit and you will get your whole life. I'm telling you, it will change your whole life because the thing about it is it's going to be so hard, but you're going to love it anyway. Yeah. Well, Jasmine, you don't have to tell us twice to get absolutely (laughs) blasted (laughs) stone. So we'll definitely take you up on that. And thank you so much for that. That was absolutely beautiful. Honestly, if you're listening, that's the best yoga slash weed advice you're going to get anywhere. Jessamine mm-hmm. is an absolute pro. So check her out. Jessamine, uh, what should we plug of yours? Yoke, my Yoga of Self-Acceptance, which is out June 2021. My yoga studio, The Underbelly. You can try a two-week free trial at theunderbelly.com and you can find us on Instagram at theunderbellyyoga and you can find me on Instagram at my name is Jessamine and you can find we go high at we go high nc or we go high dot info we go high is a cannabis justice organization based in North Carolina and we believe that no one should be in jail for weed that is a fantastic mission and something that everyone should absolutely get behind. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jessamine, and for fighting the battles that you're fighting. It's important to a lot of people out there, and we are right here cheering you on. Thanks for being on Great Moments in Weed History. Thanks for having me, y'all. Thanks for having me. that's the show folks thanks so much for listening and if you stuck around this long please consider supporting us on patreon you could put five on it at great moments in weed and that would really help us as we research write edit and publish a new episode every weedness day great moments in weed history is written produced and performed by me david bean and stock aka bean Special thanks to our sponsor, PAX. Go to PAX.com and use promo code GREATMOMENTS, all one word, for a big discount at checkout.